Boom, what's up everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakyan. Super excited to be talking about photography, art, life-size portraits of whales, the sun's light, and Studio Cosmos. We have Brian Austin joining us on the show. Hello. Hi, Alan. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Super excited for this show. So I actually had to change one of you put one of your photographs as my desktop background because it was so beautiful, the whale eye. I'm so excited to be talking about all of this with you today. For those who don't know, Brian Austin's background, he's a photographer, mostly known for making life-size portraits of whales and exploring the sun's light in ways that reveal the cosmos around and within us. And you can find the links in the bio to studiocosmos.com as well as Brian's book, Beautiful Whale, and his Instagram. All right, Brian, let's start things off with one of our favorite questions to ask our yeah. guests. What are your thoughts on the direction of our world? Uh, well, I mean, gosh, you know, our direction is unsustainable. Um, uh, we're a tool-making species, so we're, we're doing all kinds of amazing things. But uh, uh, I, it, the, the short answer is I don't know. Um, but um, this probably happens elsewhere in the universe. And uh, I think of the oaks I photograph. They release 10,000 acorns, and maybe one becomes a tree. Maybe there's you know, 10,000 acorns in the universe and only one becomes a self-sustaining, conscious form of life that goes out into the universe and to understand itself. You know, so I don't know, it's a big experiment. I don't, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like we may be that acorn. Uh, I hope so. And uh, we're in a huge, crazy transitional time right now, so we'll see. And this big difference between being out in the middle of the ocean with whales and feeling the sustainability or in the redwoods, you know, versus being in a metropolis and seeing garbage on the streets and all this type of stuff. So, yeah. and wealth inequality, these types of things. Oh, absolutely. So what do you think would be maybe a, a strategy for sustainability that you think could, you know, really help us out? Oh, uh, well, we have to change our values. Like right now you think about, um, the, you know this concept of an economy it um, it takes care of our short-term survival and we focus on our short-term survival uh, at all income levels and whether it's a you know corporate empire we're always thinking of our economic survival and that's a short-term strategy uh, ecological is a long-term strategy and we just don't think about it you know so we have to we have to transcend that and uh, we can either go back <laughs> which I don't think will happen and so we're just gonna have to get uh, the technology is going to have to get better. We're going to have to get more efficient. You know, um, we've got to move away from all the models we're seeing right now. Um, you know, things being centralized and scaling up to insane levels. Uh, just it's highly inefficient. It's disempowering. Um, I mean, gosh, I, I could spend the hour on that with you. Yeah, you know, I like the phrase. You, you prioritize ecology over economics um, in a way that's you know sustainable and because yeah. this is do you think that the majority of the ailments that we have in our civilization is because of our disconnection from source from nature that's a big part of it well you know yeah absolutely yeah that's what the indigenous elders have been teaching us for a while now they're like connect back to source to nature yeah, yeah. if I'm out of balance if I'm really stressed and like just things seem really crazy. I just go back in nature, I'll backpack for three days, you know, or, or go free diving, you know, and, and, you know, do some long deep dives and just really just surrender and, and reconnect with nature. It's very powerful. It's, it doesn't seem like it would do anything to us as we use words to describe that, but when you're immersed in it, it it's, 
Yeah, it's transformative. And Brian, let's do your journey. So who were you as a kid growing up that got you interested in photography, art, expression? That, that was all dormant. So as a kid, I was, uh, I, I was a redhead, I was overweight, I went to a new school every two years, so I was constantly in fights, getting teased, beat up. And so all that stuff that's within me, that, that longing to um, connect with nature and uh, connect with it as a creative, as an artist, uh, was dormant. It was, did, it barely existed, I, you know, I tried painting and drawing, you know, whether it was comic book, you know, themed things or, or transitioning to nature and in my late teenage years it just transcended to or transitioned to the cosmos painting but uh, I was never satisfied with it so you started uh, painting the cosmos in your teenage yeah years. just trying to find ways to reveal it around us through paint but I had no life experience I had my my experience was so limited and um, uh, so I had some really important mentors in my late teens and early 20s that uh, were my first real friends uh, like I didn't even know what friendship was. Like, what's a real friend? <laughs> you know, like, what's a good friend? And they were, they profoundly changed my life. And uh, like, I, I realized there's nothing I, I can't do. I mean, yeah. I, one mentor taught me base jumping. So, um, so I was never good at sports. So I just thought that's because I suck as a person. I'm less than human. And then to, to be introduced to a sport like that, like, well, I have to be good at it or I'll die. So I practice, and I, I mean, I practice in my bedroom on launching and body positioning, like just really just visualizing and got really good at it. And, uh, and that, that was really empowering. Uh, yeah. Because I just thought you could do anything you want. You know, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, so, yeah. so mentors were critical and, yeah. they kinda, and they nudged you in a direction of really uh, challenging yourself yeah. with base yeah. jumping. Yeah, that was uh, John Bolin. I grew up in Sacramento, or that's where we met, where I grew up. And uh, you know, and you know, the sad thing is, my mentors died, and uh, both Jonathan and a, another guy named uh, Mark Henkel. Uh, and it was really their their passing that lit a fire under me. It's like they taught me how to live Whoa. and how to embrace life and follow my truth, and I have to honor that. Yeah. And so that's all I've been doing ever since then. That was 28 years ago, you know, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Embrace life and follow your truth. Follow your truth. Yeah, yeah or you'll suffer. You'll Big suffer. time. Yeah. 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 So so follow what you've discovered as your purpose or there will be uh, suffering that comes. Yeah. Through, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to follow your truth as well. Yeah. There's going to be tests of faith that There's come. There's going to be tests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, challenges that yeah. arise. But those, yeah. are the, those are the important things to see as challenges to overcome because those are the tests that are there to see. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. And, and, and doing my work with the wells, you know, I sold everything I owned. You know, like I sold my car. I lived in a trailer. I sold my trailer um, because I just put all my money into the practice. And I would think, well, how do I feel about that? How do I feel about having nothing and being nomadic, basically almost homeless? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm still here. I still love who I am. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm still practicing my work, so I guess I'm good. <laughs> so sold car? Yeah, a, yeah. You really went all out. Once, I had, once it was revealed to me, with Wells, something was revealed to me that's completely missing. How did you f even get the first taste of whale? You know, well, that, that goes back that. to my childhood. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I saw dolphins uh, at a marine park in Redwood City back in the early 70s. 
I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what a dolphin was. I, I knew they were, I felt a consciousness from them. I was only like six years, seven years old. Wow. And they were suffering. They were in filthy, dirty water. You couldn't even see the bottom of the four foot pool, covered in scratch marks, kids splashing and screaming and completely disconnected from their suffering. And, and it was so evident to me, but I couldn't process it. I just buried it because I, 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 my parents were divorcing. And so I was just burying all, stuffing it. <laughs> And then it would, you know, come out later as you try to try to understand it. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And I, I and it was through my my mentors, you know, through through really honestly, it was base jumping that said, yeah, go photograph whales. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. when I started. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> now now take us into take us into that part of the journey because I love some of the sentences on the website. The feeling of interconnectedness that you portray through every photograph, what that every photograph taken throughout history is a self-portrait of the cosmos. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's easy to feel separate. It's easy to feel that nature is separate from us, that you and I are separate, uh, but we're all an expression of one thing, you know. Um, and it sounds corny, you know, to say that, but um, yeah, but nature can sometimes bring you fully into the present moment and when you can feel the cosmos right here yeah um i mean just last year i i, I mean real quick i um that's this transition this tra this metamorphosis happened where photographing the sun with my telescopes and watching a shadow come behind me it's, it's the sun's rising but it's rising behind a mountain and the mountain shadow is coming towards me and I can feel that shadow's presence. It was almost Whoa. like a person was walking towards me. And um, and oh. in this instant, I felt the cosmos experience itself through me until there was no longer a me. And it was it's really hard to describe. But oh. It's, oh. Yeah. You know, and it really changed me that day. You don't have to describe it with us. We know. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes and goes now. It comes and goes now. But um, it was... It was oh. Really profound. So, so then the the mountain's shadow was slowly starting to come up. Yeah, towards, it was it yeah. was half dome shadow. Half dome shadow. Yeah, it was in Yosemite, Whoa. and you can see it come down Glacier Point, right? It, but it takes time. But once it hits the valley floor, it starts to pick up speed, and 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 I would just keep looking over my shoulder, and it was just you could almost see it moving towards you, Whoa. and it does. You could see it move towards you because there was a time I thought, well, I'm gonna when that shadow comes to me the sun is visible so what I'll do is pick up my telescope and run into the shadow and reset up and recompose this thing I'm working on there's a tree I've been photographing for four years on that it's only a six-foot Jeffrey pine but I thought I'll just run and I realized so I picked up my telescope and the shadow is going like, like I can't even run yeah. and that, all that is is Earth's rotation yeah. the sun's not moving yeah. you think about it you know it's just like yeah and that's just a star <laughs> you know well, <laughs> sun is yeah m moving while the Earth moves around it. Yeah. Oh, it's moving in its own direction. In its own direction. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've been photographing the same tree for four years. Yeah, there's several trees I've been photographing for four years. So what I love to do, uh, I've done with whales, is I, I like to go deep, in terms of uh, depth of time with a subject. So yeah. whether it's a whale, an individual whale, or uh, a population, a group of whales, I like to go deep into you know depth, but great depth of time with them. I think, you know, um, the thing I do to do that um, is I have to emotionally decouple 
from all the financial pressure one feels doing this kind of work. So if you can just separate yourself from that financial pressure and be willing to invest the time, um, that's where you start to see things that most of us will never see or experience because we're bringing that pressure of you know, the bottom line to their world. Yeah. So then if we take ourselves away from the economic and political machinery for yeah. bits of time that enable yeah. us to go really deep with subjects. Absolutely. Especially natural subjects. Yeah. Yeah. Like trees, whales, sun, stars. Sure. Yeah. Ourselves in those moments too, those deep. Yeah. Yeah. That's even harder. <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you, we, we, is it pretty clear to you that we come from creation, that we're all one expression? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, not all the time, but like I have moments where it's so obvious to me, but yeah. like, you know, it comes and goes. It comes and goes. It's really too, hard, yeah, yeah to, to keep it all the time. It's elusive, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's like, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you said it was the having the cosmos right here. And I love that. Yeah, love you know, that. and it's, yeah, yeah. So then it was, it started in 2004, and it went for about, uh, 2006 was the first life-size composite. That was my whale. first portrait. The first portrait, portrait of yeah. the whale, okay. Yeah. And then you've been doing this for 15 years, well, the whale specifically for about. I've been doing whales for 15 years. Yes. Uh, the life-size part of it has been about 12 years. But honestly, it's been two years full-time at sea and 10 years logistics and fundraising and organizing everything, shows, Whoa. field work, all that. So yeah. it's a lot of work. Yeah, and what, very little creativity. And, and that's why I had to stop. Yeah. Wait, how is it little creativity? Uh, because you, you have to do so much to, to get the funding to be in the field. It's very expensive to be in the field with them. Yeah. Yeah, and because I work alone with them. Yeah. Uh, if you work alone, they're more likely to come right up to you. Yeah. And, and the only time, when you're making life-size portraits, they have to be five or six feet away. If they're any further than six feet, uh, using a telephoto portrait lens, um, there's just nothing there to make a life-size portrait. You need, you need to get, like, you can see, like, we have wrinkles and all this. Yeah, yeah. I get all that. And you get the skin peeling off. You get the finest details. And that these are all the things that are, make them real in photography. Yeah. And, uh, and you make, obviously make the photos, you know, life size. So, um, you make the photos, the photos are like hundred foot. No, I haven't done that yet. My largest is eight by 36 feet, 36 feet. Yeah. It's in, it's in one of the, uh, photos, videos yeah. I gave you, yeah. uh, but that one's never been printed. I did, I finished that in 2012. That's that one has been printed. That's thirty feet. I have one bigger than that. A thirty foot print. Yeah, wow. that's archival. That's it's all all done uh, to archival standards. Uh, it's that's in Tokyo. Um, wow. Uh, but they're very expensive, and there's nothing there's nothing uh, easy about this work. The the these are very expensive. Yeah, everything's me. expensive about it, and it's really important that we see this work you know yes. and, and I, I've I've done five shows in Norway a country that hunts whales and I did a show in Tokyo um, uh, that's some detail of one of my portraits um, yeah you know and I, I wanted to show the work in countries that hunt whales not to end whaling but just to see how people respond and and I thought if I can move people in these countries where the issue is so polarized that we're just like 
numb to it, uh, that there might be hope that it could be influential in other countries. Because it's not whaling that's uh, doing them in, it's, it's our lifestyle. All of our lifestyles are, are yeah, basically yeah, doing yeah. the oceans in and whales. You know? the, the, the um, parts per million of CO2, the microplastics, the microplastics, acidification, yeah. acidification yeah. the shipping industry, shipping industry for cheap goods uh, from sweatshop factories yeah. that run over whales. Uh, but most importantly, it's commercial fishing. Commercial fishing. Uh, in, I think in 2002, there was a conservative estimate of 300,000 whales and dolphins dying in fishing gear every year. And uh, oh. it, it's probably a lot more than that. And that, you know, and, and yeah, so, yeah. It, and then some of the things that I'm noticing is that, you know, you even capture some of the, the sun's light on the ocean surface that is then being yeah. um, displayed on the whale itself. Yeah, I love that. That is gorgeous. At first I wanted overcast because then it's even. And I thought, because these are all stitched together, there, there are probably 20 photographs in this large yeah, composite. Yeah. And I thought, how am I going to blend them together and, and, not, and not look weird? Uh, but I found they blend together beautifully. They do, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really, because you're using like brushstroke gestures to get rid of the hard edges of the photographs as you align them. And then you just start to remove more <laughs> to, to blend the light. Mm -hmm. And what's been wonderful for me too, is now working with the sun for the last four years and, and uh, honestly just, uh, you know that transformation I shared earlier it's really opened me up to the infinite nature of sunlight and its light fall yes. on earth yes and seeing it fall on this well right here like back then this was 2011 I wasn't really paying attention to that now it's just like oh my god it's just wide open yeah. that you could do just so much with that and so that's one of the reasons I'm really inspired to go back this winter wow this was like 10 feet away from you 20 uh, feet away from you oh no no maybe six feet six feet yeah this was actually too far away when i i made some photos during this event but um, oh my she was gosh. too far away she got really close here how do you know it's a female uh i i photograph um their genital slit so if it's okay. a male it's just one slit and if it's a female it has two memory slits on either side two memory slits of the genital slit yeah so she's checking me out so they're they're nervous too. So you can see yes. her open her mouth. That, that they're just that's a threat display. So she's just trying to intimidate me, which it, it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah. yeah, of course it works. Yeah. So even there, I'm too far away, but I will not close the distance. Uh, she has to do that. She has to close the yeah. distance. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. As yeah. enticing as that is, because if I close the distance, she, she may leave. She may leave and yeah. be like, "Oh, this is what he's all about," and exactly. never come back. You know? Exactly. Especially since it's likely that they've been communicating about how some of their uh, some members of their species have potentially um, been dying due to the um, human, uh, yeah, related. Yeah. Because this is inc this is incredible. Wow. Wow. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah. They're, and still, she's too far away. But I you know, just just because we're trying to get some footage of my work, I just went ahead and went through the motions. But yeah, she's way too far away. Those would never be life size. Yeah, I'm like. Yeah, and half that distance. It's cool how you were teaching me about the importance of intent, because if the yeah. intent is to go on a quick tour to go and try and get something, um, it's not going to come versus when you yeah. go with the intent of being patient and uh, really expressing that 
that notion of of love and and I'm gonna I'm just here I'm here peacefully <laughs> yeah. and you can come to me and I'll show you that I'm here peacefully and I'm not gonna close the gap. Yeah. Um, actually, and interestingly enough, a lot of like men are also starting to. Um, not close the gap in terms of like relationship with sure. women, like enabling the woman to come for and close sure, the yeah, gap. Sure, it creates space. It creates space for Absolutely. the woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Intent is so important. Yeah, you know, I'll have people that you know are, are spiritual and new age and all that, and they ask me if I communicate with the whales, and I say you, you can communicate intention, and it's very profound and and uh, it, it's very evident. You know, we don't have to use words. And, uh, and like I, I shared with you earlier, yeah, I, you, you make that intention by showing up every day with the same group of whales yeah. and being respectful and predictable. So I'll be over here, you, you know, in the distance. You guys can come see me if you want, but I'll be over here observing you. And you just yeah. make yourself predictable. Yeah. They're very curious by nature. And I think um, we, we take that away from them. You know, because like, you know, uh, you know, sadly, like if we're only taking a 10 day, two week holiday to swim with whales, that puts a lot of pressure on whales because people and the operators, too, because they're always having to make compromises for everyone to have an encounter. And it's usually the whales just leave, you know. Whoa. Yeah. Cause what are the uh, geographic locations that you go to? Um, I for this body of work, I've I they were all done and and the Great Barrier Reef. The Great Barrier Reef. In Australia, and then uh, the Kingdom of Tonga is Kingdom another place. Kingdom of Tonga. Yeah, it's a great place for swimming with humpbacks. And um, that is... Pac South Pacific. South Pacific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. it's by Fiji. By Fiji. Yeah. Okay. So those it, two locations... And the Eastern Caribbean. Uh, oh, the Eastern Caribbean has Yeah, Island of Dominica, which is where that video was. Dominica. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And so then are you going out in a boat that has like a bed in it and then you're kind of just sleeping sometimes you're sometimes. sleeping in the bed and waking up and then just yeah going. those are the best but those are really expensive <laughs> yeah 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 i usually um get a small boat and I, I sleep on shore it's more economical oh and then you go out every day every day in a small boat yeah and if i do that i could i could stay out sometimes for three months but if i'm on a liveaboard it's generally just a couple weeks and that's really expensive oh why um, because I have to solo charter it. Solar charge. Solo. A solo charge. Charter. Charter. Yeah. So yeah. I have to book the boat for myself. Um, yeah, because it's they're even it's even scientifically proven that if you have too many, if you have more than one person in the water, with whales, with minke whales in particular, yeah, yeah, they they won't come as close. Yeah. So you have to be alone. Yeah, and and so then so that it um, it makes sense then to be on. So how long does it take you to get from shore to the location every day? Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes sometimes we can leave shore and find whales within two minutes, and they're in twenty feet of water. Yeah. You know, Whoa. You'll have a humpback whale with fifteen foot pectoral fins, and they're literally like in twenty feet of water, and they're pushing off the bottom and walking around. <laughs> so, sometimes it takes an hour, hour and a half to go further out and find them. But I prefer shallow water just as a as a as a photographer and a creative because there's much more you can do with light and shadow in shallow water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they, lights they, bouncing back off of the yeah, surface. and you get their shadows. I love exploring yeah, that. Yeah. But also it's safer too because whales, yeah. like especially mother calf pairs, 
the moms love shallow water because it's easier to protect the calf from uh, predators oh. and other males. Males are kind of, you know, bullies. What? Okay, so there is a... These, these are at the top of the food chain though, right? Uh, yeah, the, the tooth whales are at the top of the food chain, uh, in particular killer whales. Yeah. And sperm whales, yeah, they're, they're pretty high up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But their calves can be hunted by like sharks? They or? have to protect them, yeah. I mean, sharks, uh, killer whales, um, I'm not sure, if, yeah, I, okay. I don't. And these, w w these whales eat phytoplankton, right? No, the, the, the uh, baleen whales, like humpbacks will eat plankton and krill. Um, I think they just eat krill, but and anchovies and small krill, fish. Krill, anchovies, plankton. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if they eat plankton. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, but these guys eat squid. Squid. Yeah. Whoa. And they'll dive down to a thousand feet or more, and they could be down for forty-five minutes. You know, around that time. Finding squid. Yeah. Wait. So, but a thousand meters? You said a thousand feet? feet. They feet? could go okay. to the deepest they've ever found a sperm whale was ten thousand feet, and it was entangled in communication cable. It died. That was many decades ago. Wow. Yeah. And and the the <laughs> these are, they're usually found um, anywhere from surface to about one thousand feet. Is their normal residing? for that for that area residing? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, excuse okay. me. Yeah. Okay. And then can we look at the whale eye, Ronnie? Can we? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a few of them. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah perfect. So we we were talking about liveaboards. Well, this was. Um, a liverboard on the Great Barrier Reef. It was by chance they were, this boat was going somewhere. They had a few days to kill, so I, I chartered them for five days at a discount. I was really grateful for that. We dropped anchor uh, like seven miles offshore, and that well that you just saw with the eye, uh, she showed up every day. And I, the, her, yeah, I would spend oh. maybe six to eight hours a day with her. And uh, she would, this is really close. This is probably four feet. And uh, she's the one that's in that big photo, that's the 30-foot photo that was on display in Tokyo. Wow. Uh, that's a, I, yeah, I probably spent 40 hours with her. And, and uh, the photo that's on your wallpaper or on your desktop, yeah. that's, this is her left eye, the one you have on your... Is the right is eye. Is the right eye. Wow. And the thing about that photo, um, I took it at 8 o'clock in the morning. I, I was waiting to be transferred to another boat, and she was swimming around the stern. So I just got in real quick, grabbed my camera, and you'll notice above, behind her eye is black. It's like a, there's like a darkness to it. That's my shadow of my body, um, just off to the side of her eye. So I took that photo, and then uh, the dinghy came to pick me up. This bo small boat came to pick me up and took me over to the other boat, and she followed me over. And I dumped my gear off on their deck, grabbed my camera, went back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was amazing. That, that's, yeah, that's the one you have. Yeah, that's the one that we have. So this is the right? Or that's the right, right eye. Right eye? Yeah. And you said you can see your shadow on this? Yeah, one? my shadow's over here. Oh, over here, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. She's coming out of my shadow, and the sun is so low. It's such a, such a low angle. This is an absolutely unbelievable yeah and you can see that just the really the fine details the fine details yeah. on, on the wrinkles of this like you said so this was shot from about like six feet feet away oh maybe four feet yeah wow and it's, they were taken with uh, uh Hasselblad made a 50 megapixel camera in 2000 I think it was released in 2008 and and uh so this was just happening as quickly 
as soon as that camera was released and someone made a housing for it, I was able to just cobble it together and go. Like it, it and it, it, yeah, it was. A 50 megapixel camera? A medium format camera, medium yeah. Format. Which was a really big deal in 2008. Eight, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, wow. Well, I, I just wanna stay on this for a little bit. Oh yeah, there's, sure. There's a couple things here. Um, you know, first is, just what is going on in this creature's experience, in their sentience? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's crazy that they live here. Yeah. And we live here and we don't really interact, you know, and they're at the mercy of how we live. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I worry that they're going to go extinct, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's wow. like you, you think about um, like some of these wells, like the sperm well that I shared earlier. They have the largest brain ever to know known to exist mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on Earth. Um, they're highly complex social animals. They've been around a lot longer than us. They've been shaping their communication and culture for seven million years, and it's much longer than us. And it's a very large brain. They echolocate. They can see in your body. Uh, they can see if anything's wrong with you. You know, if, if you're female and you're pregnant, they can see the fetus. Yeah, yeah, whoa. So they experience the world completely differently. They could have, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you call it oral tradition that could be passed on generation. I don't know what you would call that because they're they're echolocating. They don't vocalize yeah. the way we do. But that's something that we may lose in our lifetime, and we'll never know what we've lost. We'll never have been. We'll never. The tools may emerge to allow us to understand them to measure their intelligence, to understand their culture and how they communicate, uh, but it may be too late. Like we may just lose that before we can understand them and lose seven million years of that culture. It's, yeah, it's, we'll lose a big part of ourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, your con um, conservationist perspective on whales is so important, the way you just voiced it. I'm really happy that you did. and. Yeah, they're so gorgeous. There's so much to still learn, and, and yeah. they can't. We also so many species at the mercy of the way we live. We yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got to prioritize our ecology, our conscious living with nature. Yeah, we've been saying that ten percent of every single venture capital fund needs to go to the Department of Nature Maintenance and around the world. Yeah, or or just uh, just just make things more efficient and empower us. Don't don't make things highly inefficient and keep us disempowered to, to make yeah. to to make a ton of money. You know, I mean, I think we're we're at a crossroads where the tools are emerging to empower us and and uh, don't things don't have to be centralized and there don't have to be all these artificial dependencies. You know, we have to be optimistic. Yeah, we have to have hope. We have to think intelligence will prevail. Yeah. It's weird. It's like yeah. energy and matter want to be conscious. Yeah. You know? And and uh, and they want to sustain. Yeah, they want to be sustained, yeah, right? Yeah. So. And that's potentially our role as stewards. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, you also had to train yourself in scuba diving then as well. Oh, actually, free diving. It's free diving. Uh, breath hold. Oh, breath hold. Everything is snorkel. Everything snorkel. Everything snorkel. Hmm. Yeah. How long can you hold your breath for? Uh, the longest I've held my breath is five minutes. Wow. Uh, and, um, Whoa. no, no, it's no big deal. Um, what, 
whatever, however long, if you laid on the couch and try to hold your breath as long as you could. You could probably do two minutes. Yeah, if you could do two minutes. Yeah, yeah, you could do two minutes. You practice a little bit and you can do two minutes. I could, yeah. I could, my, one of my friends could train you. They're, they're a certified instructor. In a weekend, you'll double your breath hold time. So you could technically hold your breath for four minutes after a weekend. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it's our, our bodies are built for are it. Built it's in our it. DNA, yeah, yeah, yeah. free diving. We're, we're, we're aquatic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, until I can just genetically engineer gills onto myself. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're all set. You're, <laughs> you're, you're ready to go. Don't we know somebody that's working on that? that yeah. yeah, we've we've talked to lots of people that are working on wonderful things. They, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, the so gill guys. So gill guys. What? So what then? So then you. So you free dive. You go. Um, uh, you take you take a rise, take a breath, and go down for two, four, or five minutes. Oh, not with the whales. That's just for fun. So okay. um, with the whales, I'm on snorkel and I generally try to do everything at the surface. And um, if the whales really relax with me, I'll uh, exhale. So I'm negative and I'll sink. sink. I won't even like kick or I'll just drop a little bit and I'll start moving along the side of their body and getting very detailed. I used to turn the camera on its side with like a, what would be a, a 50 millimeter lens for a regular camera. Uh, but it was on a medium format, so it was an 80 millimeter. But oh. I would turn on its side and go across the well. But then I would have these moments with wells that were so accepting that I'm like, why don't I just drop down and, and do like, well, first I'll do the top of the well, the middle of the well, and then the bottom of the well, all at 50 megapixel with this giant medium format sensor and portrait lens and get real detail, like, and get their cl closer to their true colors. and. That was the last biggest photograph I made was doing that. So that was some breath hold work there. Yeah. And then you have to, you have to, how do you encase the camera in oh, water? Oh, right there. In Look water. At that. Yeah. So how do you encase that in waterproof? Um, this is a, an aluminum underwater housing. Uh, it's my favorite one. It was made by uh, UK Germany. And it's just such a simple housing. Um, and it, this is, housing is made for the fashion and advertising uh, industry. So, you know, anytime they want to photograph models underwater, uh, they need a camera, you know, housing. Of course, uh, that's housing. how it originated. So because of that industry, I was able to grab this and go do that work with whales. You know? Wow. I mean, it's just really crazy when you think about it. That work is not supposed to exist. And if you think about economic, you know, business models, business plans, and what's your yeah. strategies, and what's your return of investment, like, um, uh, return of investment, well, more, more people are gonna have a, a deeper impression of what's out there. It's more conscious. Because <laughs> this you is, know. yeah, we're talking like, you know, that, the, the thousand plus dollar in flights, we're talking, you know, boat rental every day, you have to take the time off work, you still have to pay your own rent, you have to buy food every day to eat. No, you have to be a nomad, you don't even live anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you just do it. You should do it. Yeah. <laughs> you're so, awesome. So badass. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. If you have rent, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happened until uh, 2015 with your father and the near death experiences you had? Oh, yeah. So, you know, up until 2015, I had spent three years full time just raising money to get back in the field with whales, to, to print and mount my largest photograph. You know, like a, a photograph that's eight by 36 feet is like $70,000 to finish to museum standards. So it's a big responsibility to make something like that. So I never could. And wow. I, I just thought, you know, 
um, that was bothering me. And um, I just came back from my last museum show in Australia and, and um, went free diving. I, you know, I was training in Hawaii to go back in the field. And I spoke with my dad real briefly and uh, just, just typical, you know, father, son, regular, how you doing conversation. And then a couple weeks later, I saw him on the phone. I was like, oh, hey, dad. And it was, it was his wife and he was in the hospital. So I came up to be with him. He hit his head and was unconscious and uh, had a lot of internal bleeding, you know, in his brain. And, and so I was able to be with him for the last 24 hours and uh, and uh, yeah and then a couple weeks later maybe a month later I had a severe reaction to a medication for myself and that had me hospitalized and and I was just laying in the hospital bed just thinking what you know you know what am I doing like you know just trying you know just yeah just doing office work and just trying to fundraise and I'm a creative like I want to create so you know I think losing my dad you know just the way I lost my mentors uh, just lit a fire under me it's like get back and create and and even if it's just you know outside your front door on your patio you know learn to connect you know and whales make it easy to, to connect to nature they they pull you out of your own head yeah and you're you become present you're present with them they're no longer whales they're 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 amazing. They're otherworldly when they look at you like that. Yeah. But you know, if, if we can learn to feel that same presence from a tree, from a from a flower, from something growing out of the asphalt, you can feel that same presence, and you can feel it from a shadow from the sun as you watch it move. And yeah. so, anyway, that that's when I made the decision just to create every day mm. with whatever whatever tools I have, um, and it started with the sun. Yeah, so now yeah. take us along the journey to the, to the sun. Yeah, um, I wouldn't even know where to begin, you know. Um, um, you know, it goes back to my childhood, you know, the, the paintings I made. Uh, I, like this one, I don't know if you can see it, if we could zoom out. Uh, that's mm. so, the timing of your slides are so weird. <laughs> Whoa! I wanted to. I painted this as a child, and and into oh, my twenties. painted this as a child. Wow! With well, yeah, with watercolors, I would paint. This is a well right here, and wow. and there's the sun, obviously. So I was like, you know, I I had a telescope, and I thought, you know, uh, it was given to me by my in-laws in to photograph Venus when it transited mm. the sun in 2013. Mm. I never did anything with it, and I dusted it off, and and just started using telescopes again and photographing the sun, and so I tried to make that photograph. And I failed, but then I had this telescope and I thought, well, what else could I do? And I just started, you know, like allowing myself to be a child again and not worry about being original, uh, appealing to any markets or, or just whatever, you know, it's just like, you know, I think there's something very universal about all of us. You know, you'll see this when the moon is doing something or the sun is doing something, we like to line it up with something on Earth. Mm. I think it's a, an unconscious desire to want to connect with the cosmos mm -hmm. and to something bigger than us. And I think it's innocent and, and it doesn't have to be original. It's, it's so universal. And I started with that, with trees, like, you know, the sun rising behind this tree and this tree. And yeah. I, I, would, I would photograph this tree from Whoa. seven miles away so the sun is like, you know, this big. It's like it would take up the whole frame and the tree would be that big. And you would just explore that, and that's where it started. But then I started to notice how the light would yes. work. Yes. This is this is a photo that took 45 days to make. So the sun, 
would rise here as we approach the winter solstice the sun is moving each day yeah all the way to here it was cloudy over here but it lights up and i just let it paint light every day uh, yeah this is not a one day it's not one this day is a 45 no. days it's roughly 45 days yeah so I started four weeks before the winter solstice, and on the cloudy days, I tried to pick those up after the winter solstice. So I'd go out on the days I missed, so I know exactly what degree the sun rose at, rose at 71.2 degrees. So I'll just go out, which that's a wrong degree for the winter, but, and I would just pick it up on that day. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you started connecting to the To the light, light. And, and, yeah. and also to, uh, and to the void, you know, like you think, it, connecting to shadows. Yeah. What is a shadow? Uh, a shadow, um, it reminds us of the void, right? Um, it, it, it's shadow is the universe. You know, it's like you're blocking sunlight. Yeah. Uh, uh, void is the default. Void is the default. Nothingness is the default. And when yeah. you, you can make a shadow, it's like you, it's reminding you of the, the nothingness the that's nothingness. most of the universe. Yeah. And how special the, the somethingness is, you know? Yeah. So that's the tree I was telling you about on Half Dome. So I was waiting for the wow. sun to rise. Uh -huh. the sun, there's sunspots, but so that's the tree I've been photographing for four years. But this is when that shadow cast would happen, and you know, and yeah. And then the, the I love how you talk about the the void and the nothingness is so prevalent, and then the somethingness is so uh, so so little of it, and that's yeah. right here. Such an oasis. It's an yeah, oasis. It's crazy, yeah. yeah. And to you know view it that and, way. Yeah. And to take care of it. This, this, the sun itself, um, if we just quickly go back to the uh, previous image, Ron, just the, so, so are, we, are we seeing, so this is using infrared photography? I sometimes use infrared. I either use infrared or monochrome, but. Um, or monochrome. And yeah. is, that, is that just a, is, how do you add that to a camera? Oh, for infrared, you, you, do, you can send out your camera for infrared conversion. Um, Whoa! Yeah, there's a company I use called LifePixel, and they do great conversions. Yeah, and I use deep infrared. So what deep infrared does, um, it catches the wavelength of light. I think is it 850 nanometers mm. wavelength, mm -hmm. and so it, it turns the sky black. So Whoa. our you know our beautiful blue sky that that's one of the things that reinforces separateness. This feeling that we're separate from the universe, from the cosmos. It's such a beautiful illusion, mm, mm. you know, and then yeah, yeah. You, know, you have the infrared. Um, it does the same yeah. thing with shadows. It makes the shadows darker, I think. And, and when you can blend the nothingness up here and, you know, pull back the curtain of our atmosphere in the, in the daytime hours and then connect it with a shadow here on Earth and then have something mm. illuminated. Yeah. Um, oh. I, may, I may have some photographs like Got that. Got it. The, 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 the nothingness in the cosmos and then the yeah. shadow on the yeah. planet of the night and then the sun rising. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, setting. Yeah. what's nice about this too is like, you know, you, you could buy all the equipment in the world you want, spend all the money you want, but sometimes you need filters that come from nature. So this is very high, thin clouds that scatters light so it creates oh. the silhouette and otherwise okay. if it was a blue sky it would the whole scene would be black you would just see from here to here that's all you would see oh so he's and ron will you zoom on the edge of the sun near the I'll, near I'll try the, near, yeah, yeah. Oh. i'm still practicing this yeah the, i want to i just do fall apart because um uh, they, they get better at higher elevations especially if you image them over or photograph them over water 
but you'll see turbulence. That's all yeah, atmospheric I was turbulence. Gonna, I was going to ask. So then, yeah. Well, yeah. So then, are these then flares? Like you can kind of you see can it, get the, those, and then those are the sunspots. Those are sunspots. So you can actually start seeing sunspots, and you can yeah. see the 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 fact that it's just constant fusion is happening, and you can see that along the edge. You of can the, see it with a different filter. That's just atmospheric turbulence. Uh, so it just scatters the light where it mixes with, you know, the sky like nothingness. Mm -hmm. You know, the high energy of the sun, and then. Almost the nothingness of the atmosphere you, reveals this turbulence, um, and then I have filters that let you see. I think uh, they call it, it's called. I should know all this, but it's the chromosphere. Chromosphere. So you can see all the detail, the filaments, and uh, the plasma. And uh, this is a white light filter, and it, it can let you see some detail too. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> let's. Yeah. We'll move to the to the next one now. So that's a setup on my patio, and then I. Occasionally, I'll take that to. That's so cool. I'll take it to Yosemite uh, at a place called Tenaya Lake. So that's what I was saying. If you can get to high elevations like 9,000 feet, set it up over a body of water like an alpine lake. The air is so stable. Mm. The sky is so black. You know, when when you're in infrared yeah. or, you know, imaging the sun. Um, yeah. Whoa. That's a tree and the sun photographed from about seven miles away. So it's interesting that the sun is always the same size, but the tree gets smaller the further away you are. Let me go back. <laughs> and this, this is uh, revisiting my work uh, with it, feeling this connection to light that I have now, light and yes. shadow, going yes. back to my old work. And, and Oh, this is uh, the filter I was telling you about in hydrogen alpha, so you can see that oh, kind of surface detail. I love detail. this photo. Oh, oh, thanks. That's such a good one. It's a crazy spot. The surface detail is crazy, and also how it, you found the day, the right day of the year when the, the sun's rising right the in right that The right day and the right spot. The spot is only six by six feet. If you step out of it, that this opening closes out. It's really cool. And what, what's really cool is you set up, you set up two telescopes uh, because you can put each spire in focus. They're like this. They're like a couple mm. hundred feet apart, and you also you can get greater dynamic range. Um, and you see the shadow of the two spires moving as the sun, uh, before the sun emerges. So as the sun's about to emerge, you'll see the shadows moving and they just come up to you. And there's just something about connecting to the shadows moving like that. And they come up to you and they move past you and then the sun comes out. It, it, I don't know. It's and qu quickly, Ron, can we just go back for another moment? I just wanna, I just wanna mention just a couple things. One of the things is, um, just on the on the one right after this one, the one that we were just describing. I forget which one it was. Oh, it was the sun with the crevice. The crevice. Oh, yeah, the oh, sun okay, with the crevice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So You're good. Stupid. So so then okay, so then there, you see again the sunspot. Yeah, sunspot. And then you can actually start seeing it, what looks like all of those solar flares. Yeah, there's solar flares. So what what you see what look like filaments on here. I don't see any filaments. There might be one right there. Um, as the sun rotates. Those filaments will go to the edge and become prominences. So that's when you see the flares. You'll see these giant flares, and um, yeah. Once so this happens, maybe one couple days of the year when the sun's rising just right there. Just this spot. It only happens twice a year. Twice a year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Around. Yeah. 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 And this was at was this at it's a Yosemite. Yosemite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love Yosemite because. Um, you can stand in the valley, and the, especially in the wintertime, the sun will interact 
all day with trees and stone. Yes. And I mean, just all just day, all day, all day. And it's yeah. just amazing. <laughs> and the colors are amazing. The yeah. shadows. Yeah. Yeah. All that. And the air yeah. is really cold and stable. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then I think we, yeah, I think we, um, I guess another aspect that I think we should cover with the sun is the amount of gratitude that we can inspire by taking photographs of the sun and reminding yeah. us that it gives us the source of life. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the few things that are free. Yeah, that energy is free. You know, uh, yeah, and, and you know, we were talking about this earlier. It is, it's, it's light that's forbidden to us to look at, you know, without mm. some tools. And, and I think... We can look at it when it's on the horizon. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. safe. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, don't take my word for it, but... Um, <laughs> Um, but it generally, it's, it's in, the, in the evening, in the morning, I wouldn't look at the sun in the morning as it rises. But in the evening, there's more dust and more stuff in the atmosphere. Oh. So it could be safer. Oh, but, Yeah. Okay. Everybody be careful. Yeah, of um, course. <laughs> yes, yes. It's but using the tools that I used to look at the sun, um, you know, you, it, it, it turns day into night when you're looking at the sun. Obviously, the sky goes black. It's re my filters reject so much energy so you can see the surface. And... You really start to see it for what it is. It's like it's this. It, it's it's not an afterthought. It's not just this thing that rises and sets and warms us up. And it, it's it's. I, I realize how it's so much in the background of our lives that we don't really even think about it. Yeah. You know. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. And yeah. how important it is. So it's been here forever. Well, how helping it, life. Yeah. It changes you though when you when you can really. You don't need telescopes either. Like I tell people, like. Um, if you could just, you know, like if you want to, I don't know, I mean, just watching the shadows move, like you could be in a room, and especially towards the end of the day, like it, it, where I live, I, there's an oak tree out my, outside of my window, and I could just see the entire oak on my wall move. And if you just sit on your couch, and if you, I mean, if you're ever in a situation where you just watch a shadow, it changes you. Yeah. It's hard to believe. <laughs> but just yeah. watching it move, Yes. Right, and then, and I'll be telling my wife, I'll be, Shaw, do you see that? And it's moving, and then it just, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. You're like, whoa. Yeah. It's like where Earth is turning away. You know? Those moments also happen when the sun shines through something that yeah. breaks it up into a prism, and then you see the, yeah. the, the rainbow, and then you're watching it, and then it's gone. And it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. The rainbow is there, and then it's gone. You know, yeah. these types of things. Um, Okay, let's let's just mention this as well. I think you've had uh, a couple times you mentioned this that this this disconnection from the universe is an illusion that we need to stay closer to the source and that we need to remind ourselves that it's constantly here with us in front of yeah. us. What are the things that we can do in order to remind us of that more often? Be in nature as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and it's, it's a process, you know, like, you know, for me, like, I think I've been in nature more doing this work with the sun in the last four years. And it wasn't overnight, you know, I mean, if, it's so subtle, like you're, you're peeling back the layers and, and healing, like it, it, it's a lot of healing. And yeah, I, I can't emphasize that enough how much that can change you. Um, I've, I feel really healed, like, you know, I do too. I was talking to Ron earlier, you know, um, 
work at work in the weddings, you know, and, and you know how we always are looking outside of ourselves for completion, right? We're always looking for that person, that special someone to make us complete, or this thing, you know, or this job, like to be complete. But nature helps you, yes, to be complete. You don't need anything else. else. We already are complete. Yeah. Yeah. We got everything we need. I think that's my takeaway. The Rolling Stones sings about it. You know, all the all the crazy stuff I've done. You know, the the base jumping where that that transforms you and being with whales. But just not even the whales haven't done that. I mean, just being with this this watching the sunlight and being in nature um, has taught me that it's you know. And I've been to therapy a lot. You know, and it's really just the <laughs> nature. Is yeah, just the, the best. slow peeling back of the layers and the unpacking mm. and just really. Yeah. Sometimes you can even feel your inflammation decreasing. And yeah. Your, things like that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's profound. Yeah. And will you also teach us, like, this is obviously very difficult to, um, to, to get into the hands of sustainable um, people that will <clears throat> basically getting your work into the galleries that then help you potentially fund the next artistic yeah. creative endeavoring. So it's you said it's really expensive like 70,000 bucks to print the big yeah. whale yeah, yeah so how how has it been you you're out you're giving a talk in Boston right after this at the gallery right so yeah on Cape Cod yeah Cape Cod yeah um, it's really challenging because that that division that separateness we feel from nature is alive and well in the art world um, yeah, the art world is really focused primarily on the human condition and nature yeah. is separate yeah, and uh, point. and I think too in nature photography Nature is separate. You know, we often Photoshop signs of humanity out of the photographs. So I think I think it's on both sides. But uh, I don't. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, it hasn't really found a place to land yet. You know, so. It is slowly finding homes. You said. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great show uh, at the the Dots Museum of Art in Seoul, Korea, uh, last Whoa. fall, and that's a museum that really aligns with my values and this whole um, uh, this idea of separateness in art like they're they don't see the human condition and nature as two separate things yeah. it's it's very they're both very much alive and one thing yeah. and and we you know we did a group I did a group show with them and a, a lot of the photographers are from the Bay Area here and our styles are very similar and the way we connect is similar and it almost was if it was just one photographer like it w and not only that the work conveyed a singular presence like there's trees whales and <laughs> um you know human made objects and it's just like there was like this singular presence being evoked yeah i, I, we, I hope um the best for uh, artists and we're building that future where it's easier for them to get the work into the right places so that they can continue going and um, funding more creative endeavoring and making yeah. that more popular for children to go into yeah. and do. Brian, what are your thoughts on where we come from before we're born? Do we come from somewhere else into these uh, the, vehicles? The recent, like being in nature again, like the, the thing I thought about that and I think, you know, the thing is just, we, we come from nothingness and we go back to nothingness. Mm. And I think that makes the somethingness of life very mm. special. Like mm. you wanna, I mean, this yes. right now, yes. very special. Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's all I know. Yeah. That's all I can measure or yeah. we can measure.
Yeah. Oh, you know this? I, oh, yeah. you know this? <laughs> That's all I know? You mean we don't go to Jesus? Hey, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> if we can measure it. <laughs> and, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> all right, all right. And that could be, yeah, it could all, yeah, all that is, and yeah, it could potentially be. It's all the same thing. We, it's, back, just, yeah. it's just a longing to understand and, and connect. This is very special. Life is very special. And yeah. Yeah, to help children really identify that. And yeah, I love that. Okay, two more questions. Are we in a simulation? Oh, well, well we don't know, right? Um, so, um, and if we are in a simulation, do you want to know? You know, um, because if you, if you are confident we are, then you, you could end up, <laughs> you could end up in jail. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 um, I think about that. I don't have an opinion. Um, it, it doesn't matter either way. It's a good answer. And yeah. then, what are, what do you think is the most beautiful thing in the world? Um. Uh, connecting to ourself, connecting to, yeah, connecting to ourself, our, our true self, and that's the, that's the divine self, the, the good that, self, the oneness, you know, it's, we can uh, connect to ourself, and the next thing we know, we, you know, we sold our yeah. soul to the devil, yeah, <laughs> connecting to our true self. Well, it's like uh, when, when I had that experience of the cosmos experiencing itself through me, uh, all I was was just completely present. And, and when you're completely present, it, you become the self-aware cosmos. Yeah. And I don't know, that's, to me, that's the most beautiful thing. I love that. Oof. Brian, thank you so much for oh, coming pleasure. on the show. This <laughs> Thanks, has Alan. been so fun. We're super oh, appreciative I, of your work. I appreciate your time. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you everyone for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, go and share more conversations with your friends, your family, corks, people online on social media about things like the crazy epic creatures that we see in our oceans like whales, about the coolness of photographing things like our sun and using light in these ways. And connect to nature more, connect to ourselves more, talk about these things more often with each other. Check out the links in the bio to Brian's work, studiocosmos.com, as well as his book, Beautiful Whale, and his Instagram. Go and follow him, spread his work around. Shout out to Ron Vargas for producing and directing. Thank you very much, Ron. <laughs> and support the artists, the entrepreneurs, the creatives, the spiritual leaders around the world that you believe in. Support them, help them grow. Check out our links in the bio to simulation, our Patreon, PayPal, cryptocurrency links are down there. Design cool merch and get paid. Do all that. And go and build the future, everyone. Manifest your dreams into the world. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you soon. Peace.